What is up, Crush Crew? I'm Bernadette Joy, your favorite rich auntie and your host of the Crush Your Money Goals podcast. Since starting in 2018, I've paid off $300,000 of debt, built my first million dollars of net worth, and grew from this podcast to a full financial education company that just crossed its first half million dollars in revenue. And along the way, I've met some incredible thought leaders and experts in the fields of personal finance, career, and entrepreneurship. And you will have the joy of meeting one of my favorite people as this season's co-host. Hola, hola. I'm Stephanie Gonzalez, the founder of the Women's Wealth Effect, where I focus my time as an investing and career coach to help women like you reach financial independence with confidence. I'm also a debt-free millionaire after paying off over $420,000 in debt and now live in Portugal with my amazing husband and two children after 15 years climbing the corporate ladder in the global tech industry. Thanks to the investing and career knowledge, I am so passionate about sharing with you. Welcome to season six of Crush Your Money Goals, The Women's Wealth Effect. Welcome back, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited. We are recording live here in Lisbon, which is so fun. And Steph and I are here with a friend of mine who I've known for, how long have we known each other now? Uh, Four years? Four years, yeah. Yeah, like I think 2019 ish is when we um, got to know each other. I've known of you for much longer. Like we knew of each other. That's true. That's true. Oh, yes, yes. We've crossed paths in a lot of different ways, which we'll definitely talk more about. Um, But I'm really excited to have Haley here. She is the founder of Skill Pop, and she happened to be in Lisbon this week, too. So Mm -hmm. we decided to record an episode together. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining here. So for those of uh, those of our audience who don't know who you are, would you love to, sh- can you please share with us a little bit more about you and Skillpop? Sure. So uh, I'm based in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I'm in Lisbon for the month. So excited to be here too. Uh, I started a company called Skillpop almost eight years ago. We'll turn eight this September and started it to make in-person learning accessible. So we mm-hmm. did in-person classes and workshops on everything from watercolor to photography, all to create community and help people connect with other entrepreneurs and leaders and business thought leaders in their area. And we ran that company and started scaling across the Southeast for about four years, right up until the pandemic hit. So we mm-hmm. were in Charlotte, we were in Raleigh, Nashville, Greenville, had just opened in Atlanta. We're doing over a hundred classes a month. Wow. And you know, all of these were small groups of strangers gathering indoors. And then March of 2020 happened and it completely flipped our business upside down. So yeah. we turned to an online model almost overnight uh, ran that for a couple of years and we we're just now back in person. So that's the business. But for me, myself, I was in corporate before that. My career started out in engineering for a Fortune 500 company. I worked in tech for a little bit and then transitioned to entrepreneurship in 2015. Mm-hmm. And Haley and I had crossed paths working at another tech company at um, different times, but mm-hmm. same tech company. And so I had known about her before because I followed her journey growing Skill Pop. And one of the things that we talked about of why we wanted you on the podcast was that transition from corporate mm-hmm. to starting your own business. And so I'd love for you to share what that transition was like for you uh, when you first decided that you wanted to leave corporate yeah. and run this business. Yeah. So I, I think it was multi-step. So I'll talk about kind of the phases. You know, my first job out of college was very corporate. Like I said, it was Fortune 500. I was working for Newell Rubbermaid doing engineering and project development. And when I think about my first two jobs, I worked for a really big company and then a pretty high growth, small mm. tech firm. And so I got to kind of see two sides of the extremes. I 
I remember learning a couple of key things. One, just how much your culture comes from the top. You know, how much whoever your leader is sets the tone of the company, sets the culture of the company. But I got to experience, you know, what is it like when you are hearing company updates through a slide deck in a quarterly all hands meeting versus when you're sitting here to there from the CEO. Mm-hmm. But I'd say the first change that I made was going from really big corporation to a smaller tech firm. I was kind of hungry to be in a little bit of a faster paced environment. I was hungry to see what is a smaller team that's starting from the beginning look like versus coming into something that's 100 years old already. I was looking for a little bit of a career change as far as department. So I made that change first. And then I think it was working in a startup that made me think, man, I businesses are started by just normal people. Yeah, you know? totally normal people. <laughs> when you see, when you are in a startup and you're like getting drinks with the guys who started it four years ago and you're yeah. hearing their stories, it, make, it makes it feel so much more accessible to just see like this, this was started because a couple of people had an idea and decided to go after it and had the courage to go after it. Um, so there are a few other seeds that were planted by to the main one that gave me courage was just seeing it done by someone else. During that time, I was also going through the personal transition of having just moved to a new city. Mm. So I had moved to Charlotte a few years earlier for work. I had recently gotten married and I was going through that, you know, that phase in your 20s when you are trying to find your community and you're looking for, okay, what does home look like here? What are my places? Who are my people? And so I really built skill pop to fill a need that I had. I was looking for, what do you do after work? How do you meet people outside of work? And and I saw a lot of meetups happening in certain verticals, a lot of networking meetups, a lot of fitness meetups, a lot of yoga breweries and run clubs and things like that. But it started clicking to me, you know, while I was going through this work transition, man, it would be awesome if you could take a photography class or an art class as easily as you can take a yoga class. You can Mm -hmm. find this all over the city Mm -hmm. every single night. And so the seed started planting for this idea for Skillpop at the same time that I was seeing how people start businesses and how accessible that can be. So to make a long story short, I wrote the business plan and started doing some research. And like I said, I'd come from an engineering background. So I knew all about an MVP and like how to prototype something. <laughs> mm-hmm. and spin it up. So I started kind of doing that over the summer and seeing, you know, is, are there legs to this idea? And then I ran a couple of classes just for free, found a hand lettering artist through my realtor found a social media person I, I really that. liked and um, just cold emailed and cold DM'd a few people. And and our first few classes, I mean, they were free, but they filled up. Like we yeah. had great, great traction, great energy. Um, and what I remember being meaningful was that they filled up with people who were not just my friends coming to support me. Yeah. You know, I had two friends in that first room and everyone else found it on Instagram through a friend, through their neighbor, came with their wife, that kind of thing. So it, it felt like, okay, there's something here. Um, but anyway, I said I was going to make a long story short. And I just no, I love it. <laughs> um, so I ended up finding a, and I think this is key when you think about like what a transition looks like. It it did not feel feasible to me to just jump right in and say, okay, I'm going from a full time nine to five job with benefits to full time entrepreneur. So I found a part time gig that was in project management for a nonprofit. Mm. And my husband and I, you know, we sat down and we said, okay, if we were going to go after this, what does it look like for us as a family? And there was a pretty tight checklist of it's this much in savings, it's these metrics for the business that make it feel sustainable or make it feel like there's something here. But then I also, I just wanted a little foot in the door of my old career path in case things crashed and Mm. burned. You know, I'd been doing project manager and trying to build that up. And so I said, you know, this entrepreneur, this business, does not need me full time right now, but it needs more than just the after work weekend. The side hustle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. more than a side hustle. And so for about six months, I worked part time as a project manager. And then 
would leave that job, would get home, would pack up for class, would go run class that night, do it all again the next day. And then at the six month mark, that was the point where we were doing classes pretty much every night of the week. I started having enough demand to do two classes at once and needing to hire a couple employees to help me sustain it. And that was the point that I said, okay, this, this is full time now. So it was a multi-step progression. It wasn't, I think sometimes you see online, someone become an entrepreneur or someone start a business and it looks like overnight, they closed one door and opened the Right. So I think it's important to share that it, it was a couple of years in the making and it was a couple of big steps and not just one leap. Absolutely. I love that you shared that. Yeah. What did you take away from what you said? I think there were two things in this one, you know, and when we talk about women's wealth effect, we talk about the effect that women have, whether it be on their communities, in their careers and in their workplace, through like being able to have choices, whether it's through finding financial independence, et cetera. For you, it really sounds like you found a space where you could really impact your community. And, you know, now having gone through this during the pandemic, like what has contributing to your community, like really meant to you through the work that Skill Pop does? Because I can only imagine hmm. what that's like. So one thing about we, we've called ourselves community based from the beginning and mm-hmm. that's always had a couple of pillars, you know, the. Um, I'd say the first is our students. It's we're bringing people together in a common experience. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to networking events and thinking, okay, I have a beer and a name tag and that's it to get yeah. me through the next hour. And so it always felt special when we, you could say, okay, I'm, I'm here. We have so many people come on their own and maybe you meet someone, but you are meeting them over. We're both interested in yeah. gardening. We're both interested. You know, you get my drift. So students are kind of our first pillar teacher is our second. And so many of our teachers some of them have nine to fives and are you know, VPs of marketing or strategy or what have you. A lot of them are entrepreneurs themselves, whether that is photographers, makeup artists, artists mm-hmm. that sell on Etsy. I mean, one of our longtime teachers that has taught the most classes I have found at a art, uh, like a crafts market. You know, I just ran into her and left her work. And then our third pillar, our third piece of community are the spaces that we do our classes in. And I think going through the pandemic, it really strengthened. And this is where you'll hold me accountable. I feel like it really strengthened our bonds with mm-hmm. our teachers, mm-hmm. especially because as much as our business was turned upside down and hurting, mm-hmm. you know, and we have not taken VC funding, we're entirely bootstrapped. And so that moment of, okay, everything's changing. It sure. was a very, a really scary emotional moment, a scary emotional couple of weeks. But so many of our teachers were going through the same thing. You know, they were yeah. in the wedding industry or they were building in-person public speaking careers. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and so I we did hear from a lot of students when we pivoted to online who said, man, this this got me through lockdown. This gave me a way to connect with people. So that was a big part of it. But I think the piece that will stick with me longer is the teachers who had all of their weddings canceled. and But then they could teach an online makeup class with us and have. 40, 50, 60 people come out and get a paycheck from that. And, and so I think that for some people who teach with us, I think it is just for fun. And for some people, it is meaningful income. And I think during that pandemic, it just felt weightier and it felt more meaningful. Yeah. Um, And it, yeah, yeah, it was just different. I can also imagine that for even those that were purchasing your classes, right. Mm -hmm. Or your services or the services through those that you um, support and employ, like they felt like they were contributing like during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right. To, helping right these businesses that have been working really hard to build something yeah. sustain through a moment in time that yeah. everyone had to figure out how to contribute right the second question i had was all three of us have very supportive partners if i can make that interjection and so for you what are maybe the two things you have felt like have been really pivotal in getting the support that you've needed as a woman growing 
a business? So I would say the two main things I think are for us are being on the same page mm-hmm. and giving each other moments, if that makes sense. Ooh. So a friend and a woman who she actually, she and her spouse used to both work for me back in the day, like early days of skill pop. They had this analogy that I loved where they talked about how their marriage they had. It was, they called it the bird in the hand. And sometimes you're the hand and sometimes you're the bird. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you are the space to come back and land on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're the one that flies away and takes the risk. Right. And so they kind of put words to something that I think we have tried, tried to do. Although I feel like I have been more of the bird. <laughs> but, but most men in that situation would feel more like that as well, right? With a very mm-hmm. supportive, maybe female partner or, you know, yeah. spouse, right? So. Yeah. You know, we, um, I'm struggling to even put it into words how important it was or how supportive he was during the first few years and, mm-hmm. and how helpful it was and how it made it possible for me to, to take the leap. You know, mm-hmm. I think the thing that we did several years prior was being on the same page about our goals, our finances, and honestly living below our means, mm-hmm. you know? So we, and I, I feel like that's, I don't know. I know this is a finance podcast, so I, mean, I feel like I can get into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And we would love that. Other entrepreneurship podcasts. Um, we actually had bought a house, let's see, March of 2015. And I started Skill Pop September of 2015. So we had bought a house six months prior. Mm-hmm. Starting a business was not on the radar then. But we very intentionally bought a house that we could cover on one salary, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. we um, we were approved for X amount. We bought for Y amount. Um, and that's the house we've been in. And so, you know, I think I am I'd say I'm naturally fairly frugal. My husband is naturally fairly minimalist. And that has lined up for us to be very, um, very comfortable living. Yeah, living below our means. And that has let us have so much more freedom, yeah. you know, so much more freedom to take risks in business, to not feel um, panicked when a pandemic hit. And I went out without a paycheck for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's let us, I think it's let the business last longer because it hasn't been something that I've relied on so personally. The other thing I'll say is that I have so recognized that it is no small thing to start a business solo. And because I've done this from day one with a partner, the amount of respect I have for for my girlfriends who start yeah. businesses when they're single is just through the roof because yeah. I don't take for granted that. I mean, we had benefits for a long time because he still had a job, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of people you see that have really flourishing businesses. They have a partner behind the scenes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I never thought of it that way because in a way I was in your partner's shoes while my husband built his business at the mm-hmm. beginning of our relationship. Right. And when we decided to get married. The month of our wedding, he was like, I'm not going to go back to teaching. I would like to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, I really, really believe in this. And I knew he always wanted to be an entrepreneur. But to your point, we had just bought a house and it was Mm -hmm. on one. It was based off the idea of being able to sustain that on one person's salary and majority of the rest of our expenses. And that really served us well Mm -hmm. for a a very long time, almost up until now. Um, And it really made those tough conversations a little easier to Mm -hmm. have. Right whether it was because of the pandemic or you needed to move across the globe and like, can we do this? And um, there's a lot of give and take through that entire process, even today. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't realize this until we had this conversation. All three of us did the same thing, which was live below our means in order to make 
some of these things happen during yeah. the transition. Mm-hmm. And same thing for AJ and I too, when we got approved for our house and then I decided to be an entrepreneur a couple of months later, we're like, well, we can still do that because we we got the house based off of one salary and not mm-hmm. two. And that's one of the things that I think uh, we come across as financial coaches though too, is seeing people who are, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. right? Which then locks them into mm-hmm. certain career path or certain income. And so I love that you shared that with us because I didn't know that about you until it just now. Us, it has given us so much room to play. You know, mm-hmm. it's given us so much room to play. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that three of us are in Lisbon right now, <laughs> yeah. while our husbands are all, <laughs> by the way, speaking of supportive husbands, the, you know, her husband Mine's set this up. Hers is watching the baby. <laughs> Hers set up the podcast stuff. My husband is editing my articles yeah. <laughs> right, right now. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I love that we can have that narrative of, you know, this is not the traditional yeah. kind of patriarchal. And on your own time, right? Like you guys are here for the month, right? Yeah. You're here for the week, mm-hmm. you know, managing how you want to do keeping your business you know, afloat mm-hmm. and enjoying your time. And we're about to leave to California for an entire month and a half. So mm-hmm. like life looks very different mm-hmm. for people, couples, family units. Like I think we really have to give ourselves the opportunity to challenge the norm. And it's, I've had to really be honest with myself and like stop and pause and realize like I, I'm a person who wants stability and comfort and normalcy, like a plan. Which means like, I want to find that house that we're going to live in and the kids are going to go to school there, right? For the next 18 years. But in reality, that's because that's how I grew up. That's where I find comfort. But I also now see the opportunity we have in front of us. Like, what if we homeschool our kids? Or what if we decide that we're going to split our time like six months and six months, at least during the the early part of their school years? We could do that if we really want to do that. And we have the flexibility to do it now because we have supportive partners and we have, you know, jobs and businesses that allow us to do that. So why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I love that. Um, something else I wanted to ask you about with, you know, your involvement with these organizations, what really struck me. So uh, Haley and I were just in Charlotte last time I saw her and we realized we were both going to be in Portugal at the yeah. same time. And we were at Newell Rubbermaid and I was teaching a class and, and she introduced me in the class and she said, oh, by the way, this is where I did my first internship presentation. I was like, wait, what? You used to work here? I had no idea. This is ground zero. And I thought that was such a a cool full circle moment for me to witness for you of just like, wow, she was an intern here. And now she's coming in as a vendor of what I think is a very valuable, you know, service. And so I'm really curious of, you know, how you feel like employee engagement has changed since you were an intern Mm -hmm. and now being a supplier into a similar company, because for me, I probably would have stayed in corporate longer if I had a skill pop <laughs> option while I was there. You would have been able to bring some level of community into the workplace. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it is a question so many people are grappling with right now. Mm-hmm. So many HR leaders, so many team leaders, so many companies are grappling with right now. And keep in mind, I have a perspective that is coming in from the outside and is not on the inside. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, this is only from one angle. But what I would say is a lot of the things that create an employee engagement experience um, are not there right anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you think most businesses have transitioned to a hybrid or remote first mm-hmm. schedule, um, you have given employees a lot of flexibility and you've given employees probably a lot better work life balance, a lot more time with their kids, less time on the car, less time commuting, a ton of perks. But the things that go into a culture experience of 
I saw someone in the break room. I'm grabbing coffee. We're going to walk to get lunch together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pop over to your cubicle to like catch up on last night's show. Those, yeah. those little moments are, there's a, I think a big gap in the little moments. Mm. And so we have absolutely seen a higher need for more formal events and for just community-based events. And I think it's in part to fill that gap. Um, you know, a, a lot of what companies are looking to us for are um, both team building and training, but I'd say the main thing is is team building. And Bernadette, your classes have been really popular because people are looking for what will my employees get excited to learn about? You know, what will feel like something meaningful they can take home with them, whether that's an art project or whether that's financial information, you know, they're meaningful in different ways. Um, and so companies are coming to us to to say, you know, what kinds of events can we do that will get people excited to be back in the office again and mm-hmm. and make them feel that a little bit of normalcy. And then the the other thing that I think is really interesting that we're helping fill a gap with is that the companies who are in person had a couple of years where they were remote for mm-hmm. the most part. And so when we we did a good bit of online team building and we're still doing some virtual team building uh, for some companies. But when our clients started shifting and said, OK, we've been doing virtual team buildings with you quarterly for the last couple of years. Can you come into the office now? One of the things I heard is, hey, people have coworkers they haven't seen in person yet. Yes, ever. We have new hires people, they've never we seen. We have new hires yes. who have trained fully remotely in our. And so we need something just so people can meet each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even we need something to really build bonds or take it to the next level. It's, hey, we we just need our teams to meet in yeah, person. You can't make it feel like you're joining another company of the same company again, right? Yes. You have to figure out how to make that transition. Yeah meaningful and not just like I'm in a completely different world and I really didn't like it, you know, like mm-hmm. something like that. The last thing I'll say about employee engagement is I think that the wonderful thing is that people uh, are more aware of it and care about it more now is mm-hmm. what I what I would say. I think having some of those little things taken out that we would take for granted in a corporate environment, I think has lent itself to an awareness of, OK, this is this is really important. And, and I think it's made the employee experience a lot more top of mind for leaders. I love that. Awesome. And I love that, you know, I, I wanted to get your perspective at, as an outside person because I was in HR for 10 years before doing mm-hmm. this. And so I was a person in my last job, like trying to figure out how to get people together, you know, before mm-hmm. the pandemic. And then when I was in financial services, you know, networking, meeting my friend, uh, meeting coworkers was either over drinks or playing golf. And I didn't do either. Like mm-hmm. I didn't drink or play golf. Yeah. So the fact that people can meet over a photography class now or mm-hmm. some of the cool things that you bring into the workspace, I think is also, um, you know, a testament to being able to attract a broader, more diverse like client base. Mm-hmm. And I've seen in the past too. So I love that. Well, and I love that you mentioned the the alcohol-free note because mm-hmm. that I'd say that is even a small trend that we're seeing within greater trends is yeah. companies trying to be more inclusive in that respect of yeah, mm-hmm. every every get together does not need to be a happy hour, it does not need to be what default was, right? Yeah, a default the was. Default. Yeah. And now, you know, when you back away from the default, there's so much opportunity to do something different. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. And so I had this thought, the three of us all, you know, left corporate, right, to go and to work in our own businesses. But I had this thought that if I had a, a Haley yeah. <laughs> back then, I would have uh, felt about a corporate difference. So knowing what you know now, if you're talking to someone who is a corporate employee, right, like either like what is it like on the other side or what would you dif- do differently if you were still in corporate now, knowing what you know? Okay. So what is it like on the other side and what would I do differently? Yes. Yeah. So I would say, the thing I would do differently, I think, and I think I did this to some extent, but I think you can take so much ownership over your own experience 
And I would probably take more ownership over my own learning. Um, you know, I had a few mentors that were selected for me or handed mm. to me. And I would have, I, I think if I could make myself be a little hungrier for mentorship while I was there. And then the other thing I think is I would have networked more. I think networking is a skill that you don't think about as being a skill, but that's a skill I would have liked to like dig deeper in faster earlier. Um, is that a skill pop class? Do we need that? Yeah, it is a skill pop class. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the like the what is it like on the other side? Man, for better or worse, there's not a road book. Like there's not a guide map. So I think there's a lot of thrill in that. You get to mm-hmm. plan it for yourself. You get to write the rules for yourself, uh, for your business. You get to build it from the ground up. But there are also days where you're like, man, if someone would tell me what to do, that would be uh, nice right now. If I had this calendar on my or a meeting on my calendar, I'd just go to it and get it yes, done. <laughs> yes. And so I think that's the that's the it's the double edged sword of for me of entrepreneurship is it is there is nothing in the world that is more fun to me than building something from the ground up and seeing it come to life. Um, and there are also days where I'm like, if I could hand this off to my boss, but I don't have a boss. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you guys? Oh, um, what I would tell myself if I was still there or to somebody that was still, um, I would say just really figure out how to get your finances in order so that you can make sense of Mm. what that's for, like what the job is for, what the work is for, maybe what the extra hours, if you're choosing to put in extra hours for a phase or like a very specific point in time of your life is for. I let putting extra time in go for way too long, uh, right? Yeah. It was almost, it was, it was definitely the norm. Yeah. Let me, be, let me be really clear and transparent. And so if I was able to figure out how to start separating myself and my identity from the job and see what it was for tool wise, income wise to secure our financial independence wise, I just would have looked at it very differently. Um, I would have stood up for myself differently I would have advocated for others differently as a leader. Um, I just feel like I would have been able to show up in a more present and just self-aware way. So that's the one thing. Um, that's what I hope to speak to every single woman that would hear me out in the corporate <laughs> workplace, right? To, to understand. Now doing this and having the financial backing that I have to not have to make the money tomorrow it's just really being able to give yourself time to do it right mm. and to do it right by your customer and to give the real time and space to check in with your customer. Because I think the more that you can really provide value and not do all the minutiae of the, the shit that doesn't matter mm-hmm. or to try to aspire to be like the person's 10 10th year that you see on social media or whatever, um, you can just really stay grounded and true to what you're intending to do. And so for anyone who's trying to navigate into this space, right? And I know not everybody has this option, but where you can give yourself the time and space to really provide value and check in with the the person it's for, the group that it's for, your customers, the better off you'll be. Um, it's kind of where I'm at in my journey mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I asked the question and I'm like, I don't know the answer to my own question, but uh, I would say for me, if I could go back in time to Bernadette, who is still in corporate, I would tell her to not, wrap her identity so much mm-hmm. in her job. Um, and I think that's what caused such a kind of a rift between me and corporate back then was that because it didn't feel like, oh, this is me and this is my authentic self. <laughs> that wasn't a thing, I guess, when I left back in 2016. If I could go back and say, you know what, like, this is a job that you want to do it well, but this is not your entire, like, who you are and defining of, you know, 
who you're going to be in the future, I think I could have probably enjoyed it yeah. a little bit more. Like you said, like I would have enjoyed the structure a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed the coworkers a little bit more. Um, but now being on the other side, I would also say it's still it's still something I'm grappling with now too. Like even something as simple as my Instagram handle, I purposefully named it spelled differently from my own name. One because it was catchy, but yeah. other than that, it was also like, well, Bernadette Joy, who's out there doing this business, is a different person than Bernadette Joy, who's kind of like behind the scenes. And not that they're they're not that they're not um, not that I'm trying to be fake or anything, but like protecting the identity that I want for my family and my friends versus Mm -hmm. like who my public persona is. So I would, you know, recommend to anyone who is in corporate and feeling like there's a disconnect between like who they are and what they do is, you know, having a person Mm -hmm. that you love outside of work. And I think it can make work a lot easier. Absolutely. A person, something, something that allows you to connect with yourself. And to be honest, like I wasn't connected to much outside of work Mm -hmm. for a really long time. So this transition for the last year and let's just like re- like finding myself again and understanding what I really enjoy and who I really click with. I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually make friends and have meaningful, deep conversations <laughs> that are not in an Excel spreadsheet and how I'm going to get product across the world. <laughs> so weird. Um, but it's just been, I, feel, I wish I would have done it sooner. But, you know, we're still youngish. We're still youngish, all of us, right? So no, we're still young, young. I, see, I love it. That's true. There's no answer. I love it. I love it. And I was going to um, say that, you know, I have to credit Haley for making me realize that I actually really love being a teacher. Like yeah. when I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my my dream job was to be a teacher, like a fourth grade oh. teacher, because <laughs> my favorite teacher was my fourth grade teacher. But my parents were like, you don't make money being yeah. a teacher, so don't be a teacher. And so when I started teaching skill pop classes, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this mm-hmm. so much. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity if not for Haley. So that makes me so happy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so uh, obviously I'm a big fan, but how can people find out about SkillPop? So we are back to doing in-person classes in Charlotte, North Carolina. Everything we do is at SkillPop.com. I will also shout out that we did two and a half years of great online content. And when we transitioned back to in-person, a lot of people said like, oh, please don't take online classes away. That's how I like to learn. I like the convenience. This is better for my season of life. So we have kept that under a new brand. It's called Class of the Month. Um, your class, I think, was featured this month. It was this month, there. yeah. Um, so that is where our online classes live. Subscribers to our community get one class a month that they get to pick from, and then we do a bonus class as well. That's like a live. Everyone comes. It's a whole big, a whole big party. So um, I'll send you a code that you can put in show notes for class of the month. I love it. So we'll have your information in the show notes. We'll have a code for all of the listeners if they want to try out Skill Pop Class of the Month. And I just appreciate you taking the time with us today and. Y'all, you have to know, like, we decided this a couple days ago, and then this is so much better than I even expected, because what better way to spend your time in another country than talking with some badass women about life and entrepreneurship? So thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun. It's awesome meeting you. Yeah. This is a joy. A joy. <laughs> All right. So uh, stay tuned for our next episode, and we will talk more about life, entrepreneurship, investing, and more with Stephanie on The Women's Wealth Effect. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crush Your Money Goals Season 6, The Women's Wealth Effect. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. Your feedback helps us spread the wealth of knowledge to more women like you. If you'd like to work with me to help you create clarity, control, and confidence with your financial independence journey, you can snag my free early retirement planner at 
womenswealtheffect.com forward slash planner. And if you'd like to work with me to kickstart your financial freedom plan, you can grab my free guide on the 10 money tools you need right now at crushyourmoneygoals.com slash free guide. Stay tuned for the next episode.